computer on right now. Blog Talk Radio. So here's something to think about. You need to lower your cholesterol. So your doctor puts you on Lipitor. Let's say you have a bad infection and you need a black label antibiotic. Would you want to know if this medication could damage your tendons? And if you were told that this damage could possibly be long-term, would you want to try another route? Hello, I'm Deborah Quilter, and welcome to RSI Help Radio, the show that brings you the latest news and best information about repetitive strain injury. Today we're going to get some important information on some of the side effects of common drugs from Dr. Robert Markison, who has nearly 40 years' experience as a hand surgeon and is clinical professor of surgery at the University of California and also is very knowledgeable about mitochondria, which we will get to in a minute. So welcome, Dr. Markison. Um, I'd like to to plunge... (laughs) Thank you. Um, I I just read something in the conversation that Lipitor is the highest-selling drug of all time. And Lipitor and other statins are widely prescribed to treat cholesterol and prevent high blood pressure, heart attack, and stroke. But these drugs can lead to tendon damage. So obviously, someone with a tendon-related repetitive strain injury should be aware of this possibility. I think everyone should be aware of this. So can you talk about how this process actually occurs? Yes. uh, The statins, as you know, have been commonly prescribed probably for about 30 years, since 1987, I guess it was lovastatin. And earlier uh, science uh, found out that statins could probably uh, lower cholesterol. But the question is, the Rob Peter to pay Paul equation, if you're prescribed statin medication, which might be legitimate if you have a family history of early demise from cardiovascular events, maybe it's justified. The problem is that if, if we look into the cell, you've got... 3 trillion cells, 86 billion in the brain, knitted together with a trillion-plus brain synapses. 25% of each of your 3 trillion cells is mitochondria. What are they? They're the power plants. They make all your energy, energy for healing, energy for sustaining, for typing, for walking around, so on, thinking. And so the mitochondria are making ATP, adenosine triphosphate, the rate-limiting coenzyme to make raw energy, the currency of energy, ATP, is called CoQ10. Now, the Rob Peter to Paul comes in when you have a cholesterol biosynthesis blocking drug like statin, then you block the formation of CoQ10, which in turn hobbles the mitochondria and its ability to make energy. What does that mean? Well, you've got three trillion cells that could have a power failure. It's not a total power outage, but you're going to lose memory in some cases. And 25 to 33% of statin consumers suffer intolerable side effects requiring discontinuation of the drug. That's from the honest cardiologists without financial interest in the drug makers. And when so you say lose you memory, are, are you being literal here, that the people yeah, actually have lose, memory? Right, right. memory, memory problems. Some studies are saying oh 10%. Gosh. That's the best-case scenario. But uh, other studies have said 50% chance of memory loss with a statin because you've got a hypermetabolic organ, which is the brain, taking up 25% of oxygen and energy stores and so on just to to think Mm -hmm. and remember your car keys and a couple phone numbers. So um, you you start to lose memory, Uh, not everyone. And, again, these are 
a significant fraction. Uh, statin and all mm -hmm. drug side effects are underreported by treating doctors because there's no time to do it. There just isn't time in a day of hurried practice and being under the whip, especially if you're a hospitalist or somebody without independent thought, so to speak, in medicine. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to report side effects. Okay, so the other thing is tendinopathy. And so in 2005, 2007, I started to see more tendinitis, tenosynovitis, trigger digits, meaning fingers that get stuck and they're painful and dysfunctional because the tendons are swollen and um, not moving well through their little sheaths. And with a trigger and, finger, and you have to undo it. It locks, right? And then you have to take the yeah, other hand. Yeah, it'll lock in the morning and lo uh, lock in the yeah. morning, loosen up by day. May may respond yeah. to physical therapy. May respond to cortisone injection. Will certainly respond to surgery. But I was wondering why the volume of trigger fingers was picking up. Uh, difficult to mm -hmm. diagnose. Multifocal pain, usually shoulder girdles running out into the hands. I was wondering about accelerating arthritis, mostly in perimenopausal and postmenopausal women. And then I'm I'm asking, as I must ask, about what do you eat, what do you take as drugs, how many drugs, have you talked to the doctor about possible single drug or drug-drug interactions, and has it been gone over thoroughly, not to say be afraid, very afraid, but mm -hmm. to the contrary, be informed, very informed. So um, statins superimposed on repetitive strain injury patients, not a good combination in at least a third of them in my practice. And so mm -hmm. I recommend talking to the primary care or cardiologist, prescribing physician about the need for dosage of and alternatives to statins, for example, because not only are you losing memory, which reduces job performance and maybe work and lifespan, but you're also mm -hmm. having inflammation. And this inflammation is ramping up beyond the expected. So a chemical overlay in addition to any cumulative trauma you might have. And so all statin consumers must be taking coenzyme Q10, and the best form is liquid. In California mm -hmm. and somewhat worldwide, it's called Qunol, Q-U-N-O-L, typically 200 to 300 milligrams daily to try and offset by an external source of CoQ10 the negative impact of cholesterol-lowering statins on mitochondrial bioenergetics. And so all of them must be doing that. And so well, what's, the, what's the yeah. statin problem? It's, it's, it's a cell level, all three trillion cells, energy failure that will express itself variably in people. And beware, because if you have more aches and pains than you need or deserve, then uh, statins may be at the heart of it. Even low-dose statins, 10 milligrams a day, can be at the heart of it. And, again, I'm not trying to fear monger, uh, but they're mm -hmm. trying to push statins into children now because, as they've oh, done with really? ADHD, Drug. Yes, that's right. So there's something a little nefarious about that, saying, oh, we're going to prevent lifelong heart disease. And what? if you're a little chubby as a child, then you're going to take statins. And So there's been a push to uh, treat a very, very broad demographic and, you know, kind of disease-mongering in a way, fear-mongering in the sense that, gee, you don't have heart disease now, but you certainly might have at age 50 to 75. Be aware, take some of this. And some doctors, often financially interested, have said, gee, statins, put it in the drinking water. It's great for you. But there are contrarians who are not angry people who understand science who are very careful about prescription of statins. They would be more interested in diet change, a little bit of exercise not to excess, and so on. Then in the hand society, 
50% or, excuse me, twice the increase in biceps tendon rupture. We knew there was a high prevalence of Achilles tendon rupture uh, from statins. And so now we're kind of catching up as the people downstream treating the extremities, which are pretty hypermetabolic. They're very active, the hands. Uh, they're downstream of an energy failure based on, on a drug side effect. So statins are not the devil. But uh, be careful because they can very quickly or slowly deplete energy. I've seen patients on statin tolerating one year. Then they deteriorate after a year or two. My many professional musicians forget the, the next Mozart sonata, so they're looking at sheet music again, and they're not as nimble as they were, and so they're replaced in the orchestra. So th- these, are, these are problems that need to be carefully looked at in the light of day, mm-hmm. carefully discussed. I didn't realize that statins could lead to um, biceps rupture or Achilles rupture. I thought that was mainly the the next topic that we're getting to, which is the black label antibiotics. But um, is some of this stuff undoable? I think at one juncture um, you were talking about how some of these, if you go off the statins, some of these side effects could be, um, you could get some function back, but some of them you couldn't. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure, absolutely. Uh, there was an article in 2005, uh, 50 consecutive cardiology patients who were suffering intolerable statin side effects who were transitioned only on to CoQ10, coenzyme Q10, and there were no adverse cardiovascular events in the long-term follow-up. Nobody seemed to read the article, but... Uh, memory loss dropped down by 50%. Uh, neuropathy dropped down by, I think, three or four-fold. And aches and pains dropped down at least 50%. It took a while, but, uh, again, no deaths in this cohort. Admitted not a, admittedly not a giant cohort of people, but CoQ10 instead of statins can restore a lot of function. And it depends on how important memory is. For me, memory is everything. I want to remember every. Every patient I've ever treated, if, if my file room burns down, it's, and I can, thankfully. I've cultivated good memory, but I've studied yeah. mitochondria for 50-plus years. Well, th- you know, you, we were talking before about how people are living longer and therefore they need to work longer. So who can afford to lose their memory or to be um, dogged with um, constant pain or have to deal with a biceps rupture or an Achilles rupture. I mean, these things can really, they can put you out of work for a while and your job can be, you know, kind of shaky if you're out of work too much. So um, I think it's really well worthwhile for people to think about um, these things. Um, so let's move on to the the next topic we have today, which is the strong so-called black label antibiotics. Um, I actually know two people who took these medications and were both of them were surprised uh, by the side effects that they had. One had, I believe, a ruptured Achilles tendon, uh, and the other, um, the tendons in his hands uh, cramped, so now he can't fully straighten his fingers. Um, so, you know, I think that both of these people were very surprised by these uh, reactions. And with the friend who had the hand issue, it's not something that's going to get better. So can we talk about 
the black label antibiotics and maybe start by telling me um, the name of some of them so people would know? Well, the, the, the kind of the big red flag that came up has been fluoroquinolones. And uh, those are antibiotics that uh, often in the past at least have been prescribed for urinary tract infections. And uh, so, so these drugs, Cipro, uh, for example, C-I-P-R-O, and uh, some mm -hmm. other fluoroquinolones, long word, but worth remembering, um, can cause significant tendon problems, and they interfere with matrix metalloproteinases, which are signaling and regulatory cells present in every tendon in your body and arguably in a lot of your body's connective tissue that decide when a tendon is going to uh, be broken down intentionally in areas and then rebuilt so it'll have adequate tensile strength function, uh, access to nutrition, and so on. And so as soon as you disturb matrix metalloproteinases, you uh, can dramatically uh, drop off a tendon's ability to withstand the stress of movement and, and static oh. posturing and so on. And so uh, that, that's the entry point for fluoroquinolone Cipro. And again, not everybody, but I've seen patients on one day of it, uh, two, three days, that suddenly somewhat come to a standstill, aches and pains, uh, other side effects, and go off it onto something else that will still treat the bacteria involved, but they're very fluoroquinolone intolerant. Um, some, some doctors have used it willy-nilly, but I think the medical trade is learning that fluoroquinolones may be greater risk than benefit. And so the tendinopathies, uh, and nerve problems, and I've seen accelerating carpal tunnel syndrome, other peripheral entrapment neuropathy, proximal meaning cervical radiculopathy, brachial plexus problems, they've accelerated uh, in, the, in the wake of fluoroquinolones. And so I think any honest doctor who's really thinking twice, counting to 10 backwards a few times before prescribing them, realizes that there's an expanding evidence-based body of medical literature confirming these can be a little risky, and so you have to be careful about it and figure out antibiotics might be a little safer and simpler and still effective. So you would want to talk this over with your doctor, particularly if you already had a tendon issue, because um, I, you know, I knew that muscles break down normally and rebuild themselves. That's how they get stronger. But I wasn't realized. I didn't realize that um, it sounds like the same thing happens with the tendon. You know, it's in a constant remodeling um, process, you know, where the, you know... Right, tendons are remodeling, and, and that's right. I mean, in the central nervous system, you've got GABA, G-A-B-A, receptors that can suffer uh, at brain level, and then the total body depletion of magnesium, disruption of cellular enzyme function, and disruption of, again, the power plants, mitochondrial function, energy production, accelerating cell death, and rupture of tendons at insertions and origins. You know, these are all downstream risks of fluoroquinolones. Again, not everybody, but as a mm -hmm. thinker, reader, prescriber, treater, I've got to be aware of not just the mechanism of the hand and its foibles, but everything that's in the metabolic, biochemical, endocrinological bath that we live in. Yes, and, um, you know, as we were talking before about people... Um, you know, the aging workforce and 
um, you know, you have to keep your body as strong and functional as you can if you want to keep working throughout your lifetime. And one of the things that can happen as you get older is that you're more at risk for things such as breast cancer. And you were telling me that the aromatase inhibitors, such as tamoxifen and arimidex, um, can have deleterious side effects on the tendons and soft tissue. So can we talk about those? Yeah, again, uh, we have to go back into the sanctum sanctorum and the glorious power plant of the mitochondria that occupies 25% of each of your 3 trillion cells. And understand that when you interrupt aromatase, uh, which is in there, it does a lot of things. It turns androgen into estrogen. Um, and it's part of the cytochrome system, um, cytochrome P450 system within a mitochondria. And so there you are. You you decided, okay, you're, good. you're not going to make any estrogen anymore. Tissues dry up, as we know anyway, with lack of estrogen. But if you have an estrogen-positive breast cancer, then you're often put on something simple, reasonably safe, tamoxifen, or you go into a Remedex, or you go into uh, letrozole or something. And those things are going to inhibit mitochondrial function, and they're still studying what more happens as you dog the function of your mitochondria, but it's not a happy thing. We do know that uh, you can very quickly develop trigger digits, and uh, I'm one of the physicians, I guess, treating some of the last of the cohort of thalidomide babies. You remember the morning-after pill, anti-anxiety agents do, and women yes. took? And that was taken off the market, And uh, but the fallout was limbless or limb stump babies, and so treating women, a few of them, not a lot, because there were reportedly only 10,000, but that was underreported, of thalidomide babies missing parts or all of their limb. And so treating a person, for example, with only one useful hand, and then that useful hand is dogged post-breast uh, cancer treatment by aromatase inhibitor side effects, and then she's got trigger digits in the one good hand. Mm-hmm. So I'm operating on that. She gets carpal tunnel because there's estrogen production within the tissues of the carpal tunnel, the, the flexor retinaculum and tenosynovium. And so things can go from bad to worse in tendons and joints and nerves. And they're told, boy, you better stay on this stuff or that cancer's coming back. And so, again, I'm not trying to fearmonger in any way, but this is real stuff in the trenches that I do see. And as somebody mm-hmm. evaluating work-injured patients or people who are limping along and putting bread on their table, I'm wondering how much side scatter at a mitochondrial level they can, they can really handle and still punch in on the clock uh, in the short and long term. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd be very surprised if most people understood the side effects. I mean, you really do have to be diligent as a patient to do your research on the side effect of drugs because um, in many instances, as you said before, the doctor simply doesn't have the time to explain them or um, they really want you to be on that drug and, <laughs> you know, they they might just say, well, be on the drug and don't worry about the side effects, the potential side effects, but... Um, you just have to be a little vigilant. Look, if I if I uh, switch careers and taught health class in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grades, I would just, without fear mongering, 
tell people about basic metabolism, endocrinology, cell biology, biochem. These are not idiots. Children are very, very bright. They can learn languages. Mm -hmm. They can learn the language of the human body and its form, function, fit, potential failure. And so I would teach children, look, don't be afraid, but here's some ideas that will really set you on a good path of self-tending, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And then then you just take care of it, and then they realize, okay, I'm going to ask doctors if they if they have uh, thought everything through, and it doesn't mean you're putting somebody on the spot and making them defensive. I love every single question that every patient asks me. I just love mm-hmm. it. And if, mm-hmm. you don't, if doctors don't love it, switch doctors. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think it's good to feel heard and, and you know, to make the decision together. I, some people really want the doctor just to tell them what to do, uh, but I'm not one of those people. I really like to have a conversation so that I know what I'm getting into. Um, lastly, um, there's the issue of steroids for conditions such as arthritis or asthma or lupus, certain cancers, and I think some people also use them to um, build muscle mass. I think some of the bodybuilders use them. And apparently those can also be not so great for the soft tissues. So can we... Uh, talk about that a little bit. And again, you know, steroids are absolutely life-saving for a lot of people who otherwise couldn't breathe and couldn't get around, self-sustain and so on. But last week I did a carpal tunnel release on a gentleman diagnosed with lupus uh, 37 years ago. He's been steroid-dependent since. His tissues Mm -hmm. are like tissue paper. They nearly fall apart. Nobody else wanted to do his carpal tunnel release since I'm doing microinvasive uh, ultrasound-guided percutaneous carpal tunnel releases through a four-millimeter incision, I figured, okay, it's fine. But, you know, you're feeling as you divide the flexor retinaculum roof of carpal tunnel from within with a little Sonex micro-knife, um, gee, it's soft. It's so pliable. But having done a lot of kidney transplants back in my residency, these were steroid-dependent people with kidney failure. And you get in to take mm-hmm. out their kidney, replace it with living-related or cadaver uh, kidney and the vessels are about to fall apart, will hardly hold a stitch. And then you're looking at oh, the gosh. rest of them, and then as I became a hand surgeon, I'm looking at, gee whiz, be careful, because these tendons are low-demand tendons. They're, they're prone to rupture. They're a little weak. Don't be afraid, but don't suddenly go into a gym and do downward dog and planks and weightlifting and things that may be recommended by a personal trainer that are going to mm-hmm. defeat you. Uh, it's the relative weakness and change in metabolism of tendons and other connective tissues, joints, and even nerves that can suffer under the load of long-term steroids. So you want to be on as low dose a steroid as possible. You want to eat well. Your vitamin D, B6, B12, C, A levels are in ideal ranges. You're not eating gluten because wheat is an inflammatory agent. You don't want to compound things by eating any carbohydrates when you're eating fat and protein dinner and much of life itself is huge, safe salads with safe protein sources. And uh, you're well hydrated. You never drink alcohol. You never smoke a cigarette. And then you tend to endure pretty well. So it's not just a single agent, whether we're talking about statins or antibiotics or aromatase inhibitors or long-term steroids. It's the whole engine. And again, micro dictates to macro, as we think mitochondria cells, cell symphony, so to speak, and well-being in and out of work. So if you're if you're hiring a personal trainer and you've been taking some sort of steroid for your asthma, 
or arthritis, um, you ought to alert that trainer that you shouldn't be doing plank, down dog, hand intensive things that could strain um, the tendons at your wrist or other places. You wouldn't want to be doing heavy lifting um, with with weights if your tendons were as fragile as you're telling me that they could be. And well, it that's sounds right. as I mean, though personal, personal trainers are great people and can be incredibly helpful, but they have to uh, be very aware of the risks and benefits of exercise. You're trying to move blood around the body, maintain a musculoskeletal mm-hmm. system, and uh, be able to sustain in activities of daily living and some work. But as, as soon as you go whole hog on an unaccustomed exercise program, and then you get tendon ruptures that are you know not so easy to fix sometimes, then then you've kind of defeated the purpose of of health and fitness. Yeah, um, it's uh, unfortunate that the fitness industry is so intent on um, pushing people. Um, I have a friend who was, um, he came to me because he could hardly walk because his trainer had him doing kettlebells in momentum. So he was bending over and swinging these heavy uh, kettlebells through his legs and then back up. And, you know, (laughs) Um, I mean, he, he's really very lucky it wasn't more serious. Uh, You're right. But, you know, when you combine momentum with heavy weight, uh, it's a recipe for absolute disaster. And, um, you know, people think they're having a lot of fun, but it's not fun uh, at all if you have to have surgery or, or you know, you, you've got a permanent problem because of something that you did at the gym. Um, so this is all really fascinating um, input. And, you know, we just have a few minutes, but is there any other advice or insight you want to give to our listeners about um, protecting their soft tissues? You know, if they have to take a drug, is it something that you, you could take it just for as little as little time as possible or as low a dose as you can. That's it. You said it. So either either don't take it, but if you must, then it's a low dose. Low, low dose as possible to be therapeutic. Um, remember, there's, there's no day without a little pain, psychic, physical, psychophysical, and it's almost better to have a little of that than try and cover it up with anything and everything. And when you have an infection, you have to consider uh, are there environmental sources of that infection that might be chronic recurrent, uh, what is your general fitness level? Again, not running a four-minute mile, but are you eating properly? Are you getting restorative sleep? You know, all of these things factor into disease resistance, and uh, the less is more, obviously. Uh, alternatives are there, and uh, don't be afraid, and make sure that you have a physician who, despite the crush of, of hurried medical practice, Make sure the doctor is really willing to think and research as needed to figure out um, what you're made of and what you can and should take. Now, here is an interesting question for you. Um, I recently had a broken wrist, and it just wasn't healing properly, and I went to my very wonderful soft tissue doctor, and I said, you know, it just doesn't feel right. It looks like it's out of alignment. And so he said, I'm going to send you for an MRI. 
And it was a really good thing he did because the MRI showed some space in the joint between a couple of bones that, you know, it's just a couple of millimeters, but it shouldn't have been like that. And, um, you know, he was advising me about the results of this MRI. And as we were talking, he said, uh, Deborah, you know, you really, you are the brilliant one here. Because I was saying thank you, thank you, thank you for bothering to send me for this test because... I, I just felt like something was wrong, and I, it looked like it was wrong, and I didn't know. And he said, you listen to your gut, and that's the brilliant thing that patients need to do. So I'm wondering how you feel about this issue of people listening. You know, listen, Peter Kramer wrote about listening to Prozac, listening to the drug. You know, when you go on a drug, listening for changes. Do you think that that's a valuable thing to tell people to do? Absolutely. Of course it is. I mean, you don't have to be uh, up all night worrying about whether whether you're sinking or swimming, but I, I do think it's important because there are things that you're living with in your video of life that the doctor only sees in a snapshot, and so you have the continuous expanse of, of experience within and without. And if you are aware of it without being anxious and hypervigilant, then you're going to be far better. I've had many patients uh, with wrist fractures who also have scapho, lunate, and other intercarpal laxity and so on. They're wondering if the whole thing was fixed by way of plate and screws or closed reduction and casting. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very happy to say, wait a minute, that was, that was big, but here's something small that could be trouble. Let's go, MRI, whatever, everything, mm-hmm. and so on and find out coincident problems that have not been addressed. The big problem in work comp is the failure of the initial examining and treating physicians to do a complete physical examination, at least neck to fingertips, and ask all of the historical questions, not just industrial but non-industrial questions, to find out how they're going to best address the total set of diagnoses in an expeditious fashion to optimize an outcome. And so most well, of that sounds see, like our next episode, <laughs> oh, the true, okay, wonderful um, examination. We are out of time, Dr. Markison. It's great. always so fascinating to talk to you. Thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for um, everybody out there for listening to RSI Help Radio. Please subscribe by clicking that red button on the show's page so you will be notified of future episodes. And until next time, this is Deborah Quilter. Signing off from RSI Help Radio. So long. Bye-bye.